The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, Drew Manning. Yeah, you might have heard of something called fit to fat to fit. Oh, I have. Still waiting for that second fit to kick in. Yeah, we all are. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Yeah, I'm going to stop playing with this microphone. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea, considering some of the shenanigans that's happened before. Yeah, I broke it right in the middle of an interview. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. Welcome to the Lab Report. Hi. <laughs> I hope everyone is doing well. Me too. I hope this podcast finds everyone well. Not just a podcast, a Genova podcast, where we talk about functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. Yeah, and if you're new to this show, whoa, welcome, and where <laughs> have you to been? You. I know, but if you're returning, welcome and thank you. Hi again. <laughs> and we're going to encourage you to go to iTunes or Spotify to subscribe to this show, rate, review, leave us some feedback there. And if you've got additional feedback that you just can't oh. keep to yourself, oh, yeah. you've got to share it with somebody. <laughs> right. You've got to share it not only with just somebody, but the show. Mm-hmm. Email that to podcast at gdx.net. Yeah, we love those emails. So keep them coming. Yeah. And we have a really big show today. This is uh, this is big time. No, seriously, Drew Manning. I'm a huge fan of this guy. I've been listening You've to been this podcast You've been talking about forever. Drew Manning for a I long time. I am so excited to finally meet him and get to interview him. I know, and I'm concerned about the level of excitement and like whether <laughs> you're even going to be able to get through some of the questions, some of the actual in part of the interview that's important, right? Like right. like the doing of the actual interview, yeah, that details, part. details. But you know, we've done a lot of mind body medicine on this show. We've learned about meditation. <laughs> so I've you're learned going how to, to enable them. I'm going to try to engage my parasympathetic to prepare for Drew Manning. We need to call Brad. <laughs> we do. We do. But you might know Drew Manning because he did this very famous thing about 10 years ago, maybe. He's a personal trainer, super athletic, and he just out of nowhere decided to gain like 75 pounds. Yeah. And yeah. then lose it. Yeah, exactly. And he put together a, a, an A&E show that, around this. He mm-hmm. wrote a book on it, um, this Fit to Fat to Fit. Uh, really interesting concept, really interesting metamorphosis that he went through. Yeah. And uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about that and some of the things that he has coming down the pike. So exciting. Some really new, important stuff that you're not going to want to miss. So because I, I'm sitting on the edge of my chair and I'm freaking out, can we just call him? Yeah. I mean, do you need to take a few breaths I first? do. Yeah. Maybe just let me collect myself. Okay. Patty. Yeah. We have on Drew Manning. Oh, you have no idea. I'm freaking out. I know. I know you are. So let me tell you a little bit about Drew. If there's any possible way that you haven't heard of this person, Maybe probably live not. Maybe in a cave or something. Um, health and fitness expert Drew Manning is the New York Times bestselling author of Fit to, F- Fit to Fat to Fit, The Unexpected Lessons from Gaining and Losing 75 Pounds on Purpose. And he has for years been a leading voice in the burgeoning keto diet movement. 
Drew is also the creator of the A&E show Fit to Fat to Fit and the host of the Fit to Fat to Fit Experience podcast. With over a million social media followers, Drew continues to transform people's lives all around the world. Known for his straightforward and empathetic fitness and health coaching, Drew has been featured on The Dr. Oz Show, CNN, Good Morning America, The Tonight Show, The View, and MSNBC, among other media outlets. And uh, Drew lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, with his daughters, who remind him every day not to take things too seriously. Right. And well, welcome, that, Drew. Welcome to our show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Aww. Well, like I said, I'm kind of fangirling out here. And we all know you from the Fit to Fat to Fit experiment from nearly 10 years ago, which changed the way the fitness industry approached the psychology of weight loss. But you recently announced that you're taking this challenge on again as you turn 40 later this year as Fit to Fat to 40. Why Why did you decide to do this again? <laughs> That's a really good question. You know, back in 2011, I was 31 years old, so my metabolism was different. My hormones were different. And plus, I was at a different place in my life back then. And social media back then wasn't what it is today. Right. And so here in 2020, with how crazy this year has been, I almost felt called to do it a second time because I feel like this time around, there's two main reasons I'm doing it. But I think I felt like I could make way more of an impact doing it again now. Mm-hmm. And this time around, my message is so clear of what I want to get across this time versus back then. I didn't really know what I wanted to say. I was just more so doing it to experiment for the first time in my life, being overweight to kind of feel and see what that's like for me. This time around, I kind of know what that's like already. But for me, I want to get my message across. And my message is one of empathy. And I feel like no one in the fitness industry talks about empathy. It's always macros, calories, diets, workout supplements, like this science, all that stuff is good and important. But I feel like we're missing a big component and that is the mental and emotional side of transformation and and I feel like empathy is one of those things that can be so transformative and a huge catalyst for change in an industry that I feel lacks empathy Mm -hmm. because I feel like no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care first and that's something that a lot of people just don't talk about and so that's the main message of what I want to get across this time around doing it a second time the second thing is I want to put to the test my own you know, age, (laughs) different hormones, different metabolism. I turned 40 at the end of this year, December 27th. And so I thought it'd be really cool to track even more data, have more experts come on to help uh, track my progress, not just from a weight gain, weight loss perspective, but to really track some unique data to see how this type of food, this type of lifestyle really affects you on a cellular level, your Mm -hmm. hormones, your sexual health, your brain function, uh, your glucose levels, Uh your body fat percentage, um, you know, the mental and emotional um, um, changes that are happening, you know, through uh, during this this journey. But then also people with social media, what it is today, people can follow as it's happening so much more now than back in 2011. Yeah. Right. So those are the two main reasons of why I'm doing this again. I love it. Well, you must have learned a lot of lessons from the first experience. I mean, are there some takeaways that you have gained from that first experience that have are going to change your approach to it this time around? Oh, 100%. So before I did all this, my approach to helping people was mostly focused on the physical aspect of weight loss. Like, all right, let's talk about which diet you want to do. Let's talk about your macros and your calories and which workout we're going to have you do and which supplements to take to get your body to transform, to look a certain way, thinking... Once you get this body, then you'll be happy. Then you'll then you'll love yourself, and then you'll fit into society. 
now that I've done fit, fed, fit, the biggest lessons I learned were how much of transformation is mental and emotional. Yeah. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's not a lack of, 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 you know, understanding diet and exercise. Like right. <laughs> I think people know they need to eat healthy, eat less food and work out, mm-hmm. but it's more so the mental and emotional application of it that people struggle with. And so for me, my eyes were truly open. I was truly humbled from that first experience and it truly taught me empathy for those that struggle. And so this time around, empathy is at the forefront. And I feel like this whole journey of fit to fat to 40 is a vehicle to bring more empathy to the fitness industry. But also if you look at 2020 and the way the world is, (laughs) if we could learn to develop empathy in general, I think this world would be a better place, like truly understanding where someone's coming from instead of, you know, we're so quick to judge on social media. If we see someone's social media post, we instantly paint a picture of that person in our mind and our perception is skewed and we attack, you know, the divide and there's so much fear and anxiety and worry about, about all of this, about, you know, someone's opinion or social media post. And it's, I think empathy is something that can really change the world. So that's, that's kind of why I'm doing the second time and my, my message this time around and then also, you know, having done it once and then doing it a second time, I feel like I can make it so much better this time around. So much more educational, so much mm-hmm. um, more inspirational, motivational for people because, you know, I have access to some amazing people. I have access to a film crew this time around mm-hmm. and I'm able to document so much more of the science uh, of what's happening inside of my body, um, you know, doing a bunch of baseline testing and then tracking that progress throughout my journey so that it's not just a way you know, you want to do better this time around and improve upon that, you know, here in 2020. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, that's so inspiring. And when you did this the first time, there were some detractors from your first fit to fat to fit experiment. First, how do you speak to that? And does that change the way you're going to approach things this time? Yeah. What do you mean by detractors like haters gonna hate like some people thought you know what i mean like how do you how do you speak to those people yeah you know what i'm actually i think people are really surprised with my response to the haters because i feel like the haters exist because they don't really understand why i'm doing this right some people see it as a gimmick or a marketing thing Uh and i'm just you know rubbing it in people's faces of how easy it is to get fat and get fit but i think once people understand my message of why I'm doing this, then they're like, oh, aha, like now I get it. Now I understand why he's doing this. And I feel like that's all it takes is, I feel like that's all it takes is um, some people just truly understanding why I'm doing this. And so that's why with social media now, you know, I'm on all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Uh uh, podcasts, blogs, (laughs) um, everything you can think of to get my message across so that it's very clear as to why I'm doing this. And I feel like once people understand why, then then they don't really hate as much. They're like, right. okay, he's right. trying to bring empathy. How is that a bad thing? Right. <laughs> he's trying to bring empathy to the fitness industry. I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. So you can't argue with that. It's profound. No, I know. And I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how it is that you are bringing this message of empathy that, as you said so eloquently, is, is such so needed in, in today's world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets back into tapping the psychology of weight loss was one of your initial goals. And can you tell us a little bit about that psychology of your experience in doing this? For example, you know, avoiding training and eating and just eating whatever you want, like cinnamon toast, crunch cereal. I mean, for your whole life, you've been into healthy eating and exercise. It's been your day to day. So how do you cope with actively turning that part off of your life, even just temporarily? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. And going back to my first experiment back in 2011, another big lesson I learned was how powerful the emotional connection to food really is. But because before this, up until this time, I used to think it was so easy to get in shape. Like all you do is is eat healthy food, you put down the junk food, like it's not that difficult, and you Mm -hmm. go to the gym and you exercise. Why is it so difficult for people just to do that? Because for me, my entire life, it's been easy. And I'm like, if it's easy for for me, it should be easy for everyone else. (laughs) You know, until I did this experiment. And when I ate junk food for six months, and when I say junk food, I mean, it was a standard American diet. Things like white bread, white pasta, juices, granola bars, chips, cookies, crackers, uh, sodas, sugary cereals, like these types of things that most of Americans still eat today because mm-hmm. this food is convenient. It tastes really, really good. So very hyper palatable foods yeah. mm-hmm. and they're cheaper than real food. Like yeah. they right. made it right. <laughs> it's so right. difficult for people to be healthy because of how affordable these foods are and how good they taste. Of course, people are going to gravitate towards that. And so when I ate that food for six months and then flipped the switch and started eating healthy again, even for me as a health professional, personal trainer, it was difficult for me on a mental and emotional level than I ever imagined it would be because my body was fighting back. I went through these withdrawal symptoms where I was hungry all the time. I was moody. I was grumpy. I had headaches. I did not feel good eating these foods that had, you know, made me feel good my whole life. It was, and my body wanted the high Mm -hmm. that it had gotten from those foods for the past six months. And I'm like, man, I can only imagine what my clients or other people go through that have been eating this way for years or decades even. And Mm -hmm. we give them a meal plan, expect them to be perfect. Like, okay, here's your, here's your meal plan, eating real food and expecting them to feel good right away. That's not how it is for people. Like that Mm -hmm. emotional attachment to these foods is so powerful. And this is what I've learned over the years about the psychology of all this is that we as humans distract ourselves from stress, from trauma, from challenges with substances. And sometimes for people that's food. So it becomes a food addiction where we, um, you know, cover up or numb the pain from the trauma or the challenges or the stress that we're experiencing with food, alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, movies, TV shows, social media, uh, even, you know, all kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we deal with stress as humans until we eventually face that painful thing and learn to let go of it. Yeah, We're just going to keep numbing ourselves. And this is what I finally realized. It's like, you know, we wouldn't go up to a drug addict and be like, hey, what's wrong with you? Just stop doing drugs. Like, right. it's not that hard, right, right. you know? Right. And But it's with food addiction, we kind of sweep it under the rug because it's like, oh, yeah, you should be able to control that. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's the same type of addiction. It's just a different substance that they're numbing their pain with. Yeah. And um, so it's looked at differently in our society. And so for me, the whole psychology behind it is, yes, everyone that's overweight definitely wants to be healthy. They want to be fit. They want to have the perfect body. But the application of just, you know, uh, willpowering the way to a new healthy lifestyle doesn't work just like it doesn't work for a drug, drug addict just to stop doing drugs. Like, of course, they want to, but it's, it's way more complex than we think it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to bring awareness to and more empathy yeah. for those that struggle. It's not as simple as just eating less and working out. And we need a new approach in the fitness industry to help people shift their perception of what success looks like in this industry because success for most people, they think, it, okay, well, if I if I get this body that I see on Instagram or the celebrities, then people will love me. Then all my problems will go away. And it's a myth that people buy into thinking, if I'm not that, then I'm a failure and yeah. people make fun of me. And so it's, it's I'm trying to bring some change to an industry 
that I feel like is very judgmental and labels people as lazy or less than or uh, no discipline or lack of willpower when in reality it's a lot more difficult than people think it is. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you, uh, just as a follow-up to that, do you have any type of mind-body practice that you follow, like meditation? Do you do anything like that? I do, and this is the biggest key to helping people overcome this emotional eating that happens is self-awareness. Self-awareness is the key to overcome any type of addiction. And what that looks like for me is if you could you know, develop some type of meditation practice where you become the observer of your thoughts rather than becoming your thoughts, that's where the real um, transformation happens. It's mm-hmm. people then in those moments of just reacting, you know, almost almost unconsciously of like reacting to a situation and, and grabbing a f- piece of food that they know they shouldn't eat or dr- and grabbing a drink of alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. Right. In those moments of becoming the, the, the observer, they can thoughtfully respond in those moments and be more in control versus just reacting uh, like they've been programmed to do for the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life. Mm-hmm. And so self-awareness is key to overcome that. And that's why I, I highly recommend a daily meditation practice, a positive affirmation practice, a daily journal or gratitude list practice, because those kinds of things help build that self-awareness to help them become the observer of their thoughts. Got yeah, it. that's that's great. And I mean, it also helps, I think, in the long run, get in touch with your sort of inner purpose, which I think a lot of times going back to either whether it's trauma that we're trying to cover up or, or something else, Kind of identifying with that inner purpose is is one of the things that's going to be necessary to engage in a life changing experience like bringing on exercise for one of the first times in in many years, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, well, let's get a little bit into the specifics here. How how do you decide what you're going to eat to gain this weight? <laughs> so I'm actually taking some of the stuff I did from last the last experiment and, and continuing that. But also this time around, I, went, I added in a twist, a kind of controversial way of gaining weight starting at the end of this month of September. Um, so obviously I'm, right now I'm eating a lot of highly processed foods that I talked about, very similar, like cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast every morning, lots of soda like Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper and you know frozen burritos and Hot Pockets and oh mac and cheese and, and white bread uh, with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, um, granola bars, these types of foods that we, that we talked about. Yeah. But then starting yeah. at the end of this month, I'm going to be exposing four popular diets okay. and the pitfalls and mistakes that people make on these diets. Oh, so cool. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so I'll be doing keto, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian the wrong way, the unhealthy way that people tend to to do when they don't really do the research. They just jump into it thinking, well, if I do this diet, I'll lose weight and you know have better health. When in reality, with these popular diets, keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, even for me in the keto space, like I'm a huge fan of the keto diet, mm-hmm. I still see people make these mistakes thinking, oh, well, I'm eating keto, so you know, I should be losing weight, but people end up gaining weight sometimes and their health does not improve, it actually gets worse. And so um, I, on the journey of gaining weight, I'll be exposing the pitfalls and mistakes that people make to show people what not to do. And then on the journey back to fit, come January, I'll go through these diets again and show educate people on exactly what to eat uh, this time around. So I'll be showing both sides of it, what not to do and then what to do with these four popular diets. That's fascinating. That is because we actually cover kind of all of those diets within this podcast with clinicians. So that is amazing. But even 
you know, when you're, you're following this, this whole journey, like you said, is being documented by film crews and doctors are monitoring your progress mm-hmm. and you're documenting it extensively on social media, your website, your podcast. Is there a community that forms around this and how do you actively engage them? Yeah, this is what's so cool about this journey is I feel like it's so much more diverse than the first time around. I think the first time around was more about, it was more like a YouTube audience where people just wanted to see this massive amount of weight gained and food consumed. And this time around, bring in more of the science. I feel like there's something for everyone on this journey. And so, you know, bringing in my doctor, uh, another doctor that's going to talk about my sexual health and how that's changed, bringing in a memory and brain function expert to do some baseline testing and then uh, more testing throughout the journey to show how this type of diet and lack of exercise affects your brain function. Um, I'm measuring my, my glucose levels with my CGM device that's implanted, mm-hmm. um, my ketone levels, my body height percentage. Um, and I, I try and post about all of this that's happening so that people, yes, they get to see the weight gain, right? That's mm-hmm. going to be, of course, the most entertaining part of it. But also, hopefully, they'll consume my other content where I'm hopefully educating people. And I've had so many people jump to me like, Drew, this is so eye-opening, not from a weight gain, weight loss perspective, but from, man, I had no idea. First of all, there was this many calories in those foods you're eating because I eat that way. And so (laughs) it's very eye-opening from a calorie macronutrient perspective. Yeah. But then also they get to see, you know, for example, just me talking on this podcast, I noticed like (laughs) I'm out of breath (laughs) just talking to you guys. So all that visceral, all that visceral fat makes it it makes right. a big difference and so people are starting to notice like the mental emotional uh, uh brain function changes that are happening as this journey is going on and that's what's so cool about doing it now versus back in 2011 is back in 2011 people didn't really see it happen as it was happening right, right. there's no live streaming there was only facebook there was no instagram right. um so this time around i feel like people are able to see all of that that's changing and hopefully connect the dots and be like oh okay i see this food that he's eating but I see what it's doing to him on so many levels. Um, maybe I should make some changes. And that's kind of what's starting to happen so far on this journey. And I'm trying my best to engage and answer people's questions and, um, you know, uh, do a lot of live streaming and uh, do as much educational content as I can. That's, that's awesome. great. That's awesome. Great. Well, I wanted to ask you a couple other questions because besides Fit to Fat to 40, you're also known in the industry as a key to ketogenic diet expert and uh like patty said we talk a lot about keto on this podcast and on your show you sometimes do keto faqs with drew uh, i was just wondering if we can do mm. a little rapid fire keto questions um let's do it starting with <laughs> even though even though i'm not keto right now that's right, yeah, right. Do it. <laughs> you're still the expert you're still the expert. <laughs> yeah so the first one how do you use endogenous ketones ketone esters keto salts do you use those regularly i do not on this journey of course sure. but actually um, I, I do use uh, ketone salts mostly, uh, but uh, every once in a while I have used ketone esters. Like I ran a 100-mile run uh, three months ago. Um, actually, on this date three months ago, I ran 100 miles using glucose and ketone esters as my fuel sources throughout the race. Wow. Okay. Wow. And do some people just use these just for the, the brain aspect of it and not follow the diet? Yeah, some people do. Um, and that's kind of the, the beauty of the ketone, uh, exogenous ketones, is that you don't have to be ketogenic to receive the benefits of it. Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, is a, mm-hmm. he does a lot of research on this. And, um, you know, the benefits of the, of the uh, exogenous ketone supplementation provides your, your brain with a neuroprotective benefit, whether you're in ketosis or not. Um, and then uh, it has a glucose lowering effect as well, from what I know uh, from his research. And so there are benefits of taking these supplements, even if you're not a keto 
person. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Dom's been on our show too. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure he's talked about that he more did. in depth, but more did. of a scientific no. explanation. No, but it's the basic question, which yeah. we love your answer. Mm-hmm. But how do you speak to people who say, I've hit a weight loss plateau with ketosis? What's your advice to those people? Man, well, that would be a great thing for them to follow on this fit to fat to 40 journey is to actually see you know, the mistakes that people make and what to avoid. And so most likely during this fit to fat to 40 journey, when I do the keto experiment of gaining the weight, they'll see all these mistakes and pitfalls that people make. But just in a nutshell, I think there's way too many keto treats available, even though I'm friends with a lot of these companies and the food is amazing and that we have all these convenience products. Uh-huh. I feel like people tend to overconsume because they're very convenient. They're ready to go. They're packaged. They last mm-hmm. a long time. They taste really good. Mm-hmm. And so before you know it, people are eating two, three, four keto bars or keto cookies. And they're like, well, I'm in ketosis and I need something fast. So I'll have two or three or four of these. Um, and then also not really doing your research and just eating butter, bacon, and cheese all day long right. and right. thinking like that's going to help you lose weight. And yes, it can if you're in a calorie deficit for right. sure, Right. but it might not be the healthiest thing for you. Um, you know, I'm more of a fan of a whole foods approach to keto, yeah. which is what my book complete keto is about. Um, and so I think that's kind of the pitfalls and mistakes that people make. Also people do sometimes way too much dairy and way too many nuts and seeds. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, some people, just another rapid fire, will get dizzy or feel weak from time to time on keto, what's called the keto flu. Like, what, what is that? How do we mitigate that? Yeah, that's a really hard one. That comes down to an imbalance of electrolytes. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is people don't really research it. They just eat the butter, bacon, and cheese, like all the, health, or all the, the keto foods that are out there, but they have no idea what's happening with the electrolytes and how those um, change as you switch over to a ketogenic or a high-fat diet. And then they tend to experience the keto flu symptoms. And so if you uh, just learned about taking in enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium throughout your, especially your transition, when you transition into ketosis, that's where I think people feel the keto flu the most is because there's this huge imbalance of electrolytes that happens when you don't retain as much water uh, from eating carbohydrates. You switch over to eating fat, you're, you're not retaining as much water. You're actually expelling a lot more water and minerals from your body. And it's really important to replenish those, um, especially during those first two to three weeks, in my opinion. So that's the biggest thing. And people are afraid of taking salt or, or, you know, supplementing with salt because we've also been taught salt is bad for us. Mm -hmm. So people kind of avoid salt (laughs) and when their body really needs it, especially in the beginning. So and for athletes as well, that's another mistake people make is as an athlete, someone that works out, not having enough salt, that's where they crash. And feel miserable. Got it. Got it. Another thing, you know, speaking about just human behavior, some people are on keto and then they have a cheat meal or a cheat day. What's your advice on the quickest way to get back into ketosis? The quickest way is to deplete glycogen levels. So doing something like a a high intensity interval training, like a sprint (laughs) to Mm -hmm. deplete the glycogen from your liver and your muscles um, and then fasting. So combining those two things Fasting with a high-intensity workout of some type that's going to deplete your glycogen levels, that is going to get you back into ketosis really quickly because then your body runs out of that glucose, and then it's got to find the alternative fuel source, uh, also known as ketones. So that's the quickest way to get back into ketosis. Got it. Got it. How about as far as some of the long-term, is there any deleterious effects to long-term ketosis? You know what? This is something that... um, you know, there's not a lot of studies, long-term studies on the on the ketogenic diet, but everything that I know of is from an ancestral perspective is, you know, our species never would have evolved if we didn't have this backup system known as ketosis to fuel our bodies. Sure. And mm-hmm. so 
it just thinking about it from that perspective, a logical perspective, like our ancestors 200, 500,000 years ago didn't have restaurants and grocery stores and food <laughs> on demand. So they definitely had to go without food for periods of time. And, you know, a week, two weeks, a month, sometimes without food, you know, it, it, it just goes to show that um, there's nothing wrong or unhealthy being in a ketogenic state long term. And I know doctors personally who have been doing keto for decades and they're totally fine. They're totally healthy. Their blood works good. Mm -hmm. There's no long-term effects. Plus I know people that have uh, severe epilepsy that have to be in a ketogenic state all the time. Sure. Otherwise mm -hmm. it triggers a seizure for them. So these people would be super unhealthy if it was bad for them to be in a ketogenic state long-term. So, um, you know, from the people I know uh, that have been doing it for years and decades um, consistently, I don't know of any adverse effects of doing ketosis long term, unless you're, like I said, doing a dirty keto maybe, or um, mm -hmm. doing it in an unhealthy way for sure. Got right. It. Got it. Which you're absolutely going to talk about and cover uh, with this Fit to Fat to Forty, which is super exciting. Um, also, want to talk a little bit about where people can follow you and find your website, Fit to Fat to Fit .com. Um, But real quickly, we have one question that we normally ask people that's a little bit uh, out of the norm and just to try to get to know you a little bit. <laughs> it's called sure. Fireball Question. And so it's, this question is a little bit with what you're going through right now. Is there something that you have been looking forward to eating maybe that you never or wouldn't regularly eat? I'm going to assume it's a sandwich, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> bread. But maybe yeah. it's something else. Is there something that you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to get my hands on X? That's a good question. I've, I feel like I've eaten almost everything that I could imagine um, so far during the first, let's see, I'm two weeks into this journey. The one right. thing that I haven't had is coconut cream pie, which is I absolutely wow. freaking love. Wow. <laughs> I haven't had coconut cream pie yet. Um, but you know what? Like seriously, like sugary cereal, there's something nostalgic about that. I think mm. as a kid in the 80s growing up with like being able to have that sometimes with like on yeah. Saturday mornings watching cartoons, eating cereal. There's something nostalgic about sugary <laughs> cereal that I just, I just love. I'm like, man, this is so good. Like if the world was ending, I probably want to have a box of cinnamon toast crunch near me. Just, <laughs> just in case. That's, that's my favorite too. It, side is, note. it is the best it is of the, the best sugary cereal. It's so <laughs> addictive. We are in agreement on that. And yeah, it's that cellular memory. That's it's amazing. Right. I can just remember those times too, and and how a, yeah. back to how cartoons. Taste, yeah, right. how a taste can bring back a memory is incredible. It's so true. It's 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 insane. But um, yeah. So I would say that. I love well, that. Well, we certainly thank you so much for coming on and uh, answering our questions and uh, especially our rapid fire questions <laughs> there. With um, your website is fittofattofit.com. Tell us a little bit about where else people can find you on social media and uh, and, and elsewhere. Yeah, so my social media is all the same. It's uh, at fit number two, fat number two, fit on all the social media handles. It's pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. And then my new journey uh, for people that want to follow along there, it's fit to fat to 40, either 40 or forty.com. Mm -hmm. And people can kind of be updated, especially when the journey back to fit starts in January. Mm -hmm. I want people to know that they can follow along that journey for free. Like I will be posting my exact meal plans, my exact recipes, my exact workouts. Everything I'm doing, I want it to be as transparent as possible and make it available for everyone and say, hey, you know what? Let's do this journey together. Like, I'm going to be overweight and unhealthy. Why not do this journey together as a team, as a community? So I want to make sure people have access to that. It's absolutely free. Fit to fat to 40com They can check that out. 
great. That's awesome. That's great. Well, actually, Michael and I already follow you, so (laughs) we're excited about (laughs) this. We've already seen your first couple of weeks, but we're also going to encourage everyone to get the complete keto book and and just to kind of follow along. But Drew, we're honored that you came on the show with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, spending a little bit of time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. See? That was excellent. Told you. That was excellent. I'm so excited. He's such a great guy. And it's really intriguing because it really sort of pulls together all the things we've been talking about on this podcast show. Yeah. I mean, I love that he brought in the sort of psychological, mental, emotional perspectives that are important to do any sort of behavior change. And we talk about addiction a little bit there, all Uh those elements. So um, and all the different diets and and you can follow along. He's going to do them incorrectly and then do them correctly. So you learn even more about paleo and keto and all those things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just can't recommend Strongly enough for people to go to his different social media platforms and pay attention to what he is doing. He's already underway with this uh, this yep. experiment, this Fit to Fat to 40. So it uh, right. should be interesting to follow along. Yeah, he's already changing his body. I'm following week to week. Yeah. It's really exciting. It's, it's just so interesting. <laughs> and I'm I'm really curious to see how he talks about the different diets. And oh, yeah. Everything like so that. So much to so. learn there. Awesome interview. But what are we doing next episode, Michael? Good question. Next time on The Lab Report, we talk about science stuff that revolves around health and wellness. Uh, don't we do that every episode? Yeah, I think so. So we're going we're gonna to do more of that. That sounds great. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Coconut cream pie, huh? I hate coconut cream (laughs) pie, though I absolutely love Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal, and it is, in fact, the best cereal ever made. I don't think I've ever had coconut cream. It's the best. It is the best. Oh, no, no. Coconut cream is horrible. You just don't like coconut. I don't. So, so we're just not gonna use your opinion on these well, sort of things. What's your thoughts on cinnamon toast crunch? It's the best. See? Yeah. There we are. Yeah, and so is coconut. No. Figure it out.